0: Magandang araw po mga kababayan, welcome to episode 58 of Usapang Pinoy, brought to you by Georgia Asian Times. Ako po si Jane Rowland, ang inyong podcaster, at salamat po for tuning in sa Usapang Pinoy. Please visit our Usapang Pinoy podcast Facebook group page, at kung hindi pa kayo miyembro, please request to join in. Uulitin ko po ang ating importanting announcement that sponsorship for our podcast is now open to anyone who is interested to advertise in Usapang Pinoy, where one sponsorship will give you two voiceover ads for the month. Please contact me at usapangpinoyga at gmail.com or jainerowlin at gmail.com for details. Ngayong araw na ito po, I will skip the normal announcements and calendar of events dahil po gusto bigyan ng sapat na no oras ang ating paksang ayon dahil po tax season is just around the corner we will talk about something that affect us all taxes so we will discuss key tax changes and updates for 2023 which is what we will need to, to file for our 2024 taxes ang ating pung bisitang ayon ay si Ellen Rodriguez Swing president and accountant of Framework Accounting we will talk about all the important things we need to know about our taxes. Ngayon po, ako'y magbabalik o pangihandog sa inyo ang ating podcaster. Welcome back, mga kababayan. Ngayon po, I am excited to welcome to Usapang Pinoy si Ellen Rodriguez Swing, President of Framework Accounting. Ellen is a dedicated accountant uh, of a nonprofit treasurer, I'm sorry, a nonprofit treasurer and a Filipino American small business and professional community advocate with nearly two decades of experience in financial management. She earned her master's degree in accounting and owns a business and tax solutions company called Framework Accounting. She is also the senior director of finance and treasury of the prestigious. Coalition of Filipino-American Chambers of Commerce. So, welcome Ellen, and thank you so much for taking time to be with us
1: in Osapang Pinoy. Thank you so much Jane, thank you for having me, and um, thank you for the opportunity to share um, some key updates regarding the tax filing for this year and the next for our viewers.
0: Well, thank you, thank you so much. Um, so. Because we have a lot to discuss, let's go ahead and dive into our questions. Um, of course. So are there any changes to the tax rate schedules for 2023? And if yes, what are these changes?
1: Yes, there are. So every year IRS assess uh, the inflation rate um, assessments to help the taxpayers in different brackets, especially the lower income. So, in 2023, because that's what we're filing for 2024, um, the notable changes are single filers and married couples filing separately, the standard deduction increases to 13850 And then single house- heads of households, typically unmarried individuals with one or more d- dependents, uh, that will rise to $20,800 uh, in a year, and then uh, married couples filing jointly, uh, the highest, the highest standard deduction of twenty-seven thousand seven hundred. Now, these um, information, because it's not a complete um, information that I'm telling you right now, but the viewers can go to, and I highly advise the viewers to go to or their tax preparer to go to the IRS.gov for the complete um, table or bracket. Now, the the impact of these uh, standard deductions are uh, varies differently according to the um, taxpayers. Um, Income brackets, like for low-income earners, um, the increased standard deduction can be beneficial in terms of uh, essentially lowering their overall tax liability. And also, it results to refund, so extra money could be particularly valuable for them covering essential expenses. And then, middle-income earners, mostly they have um, uh, small investments. This could provide additional financial flexibility. Uh, For their saving strategy, maybe or investing strategy, and then for high income earners, um, they are more likely to itemize the deductions. So they're not you. You either do standard deduction, which I just uh, briefly covered, or itemize. So the high income earners, this won't be much help for them. But you know there are other ways that they can reduce their um, tax liability.
0: So to recap, the filing status for single uh, uh, filers deduction a month is thirteen thousand eight hundred fifty, and for head of the household is twenty thousand eight hundred, and married filing jointly is twenty seven thousand seven hundred. Is that correct? Did I... Yeah.
1: Okay. great. Yes. Uh-huh. And how it works? Sorry. And how it works is you have an uh, uh, taxable income, and then that taxable income gets reduced by that standard deduction. Okay. So, so whatever tax bracket um, you're in, if you're, you have to pay like 15% on your taxable income. It gets reduced first before you compute your uh, tax rate. Okay.
0: So what is Earned Income Tax Credit and how do you qualify
1: for it? Yeah, The Earned Income Tax Credit, or shortly called EITC, that's a refundable tax credit designed to provide financial assistance to um, the lower or to moderate income earners and um, most specifically families right because you you would have to have a child or a dependent so unlike non-refundable tax credits the I the EITC can result in a refund so that's what we're um, trying to, to to get even if if the amount of the credit exceeds the taxpayer's total tax liability. Because with the other credits, if you your tax liability is $1,000 and you have a tax credit of one thousand $1,200, then you don't get the $200 back, which is the difference. But with this EITC, you get that money back in a refund check. Okay. So to qualify for EITC, you must meet certain criteria. So, one is earned income. You must have earned income from employment or self employment. And investment income must be below a certain threshold. So, you must have that uh, in the prior year. And then, citizenship and residency uh, you, your spouse, if you're filing jointly, and your qualifying children must have valid social security numbers. And then, but it doesn't matter if you're a U.S. citizen, U.S. national, or resident alien, for as long as uh, so so you gotta be either and then have a valid SSN. And then for the filing status, you can be a single, you can be married filing jointly, head of household, or qualifying widow, widow, or widower, but you must have a dependent child okay and then um there are other like dependent children you must have a child must meet certain relationship age and residency requirements and then of course the most important thing is the income limits. so it must fall within certain limits to qualify for that and it depends on your uh, filing status and the number of qualifying children too like i can give you like a brief summary for example uh for a, a family with a um zero child uh, with um one child maximum earned income tax tax credit could be up to three thousand nine hundred ninety five dollars but your um maximum uh uh a g i or your adjusted uh, gross income must be like forty in the forty six thousand five hundred sixty for this year. And then the list goes on. And again, I'd uh, re- like to refer the viewers to go to the IRS to for the complete uh, table. Great, great.
0: So that's the second important thing that we learned today. It's called Earned Income Tax credits or EITC. So um, moving on, what are the income limits for contributing to a retirement plan in
1: 2023? Yes, so l- let me explain first uh Briefly, briefly each um, uh, retirement uh, con- uh, retirement plan. So there's traditional and Roth IRA, and uh, all of these, of course, are subject to income limits. So the if eligible, um, that can strategically choose. Um, basically, when you're doing the um, retirement plans, that's strategic for your tax. Uh, uh, tax optimization or to lessen your tax liability because these are tax free mostly and then there's um, 401k and other employer sponsored plans which uh this is actually pre-tax so when you go contribute you you defer your tax liability the the other one the, the Roth IRA that's actually after tax so uh you don't get uh, so you have to pay on your income first and you can contribute. So most of the time, the the low to middle earners, uh, we opt for the 401k or other employer-sponsored plans just because it's a pre-tax, so you defer tax liability on it. However, there's also a benefit to having the Roth IRA and the other retirement plans according to your Investments, your wealth uh, management, and again, I advise you to go to um, to IRS.gov and also to your trusted financial advisor for for uh, strategizing your retirement um, contributions. Right. So let me delve into the briefly into the limits for twenty twenty four because we we're done with twenty twenty three. You can't catch up anymore. So for 2024, uh, the IRS has the 401k contribution limit to uh, 345000 up from um, 330000 for your um, compensation or your your salary. And uh, actually, let me just go to the um, contribution limit, sorry, because I'm talking about the income for... Um, uh, uh, like a twenty. I think. Hold on one second. Okay. It does I that. not de- have
0: depend depend on the age, right? Because uh, I think last year was, age. yeah seven thousand for for single, I believe.
1: Yes. Yes. Actually, no, sorry about that. It's just that I'm trying to have notes for my contribution limit for for this, but. It's uh twenty two thousand. Sorry about that. Twenty two thousand five hundred dollars for uh, twenty three thousand dollars for twenty twenty four. And then if you're over fifty for twenty twenty four, it catch your catch up. You can uh, contribute up to thirty thousand five hundred. Okay, great. So
0: moving on, this is a very important question because a lot of people are uh, confused about this health savings account. And ha- have there been any changes to contribution limits for twenty twenty
1: three? Yes. So, so first of all, um, health savings accounts that's designed to help uh, individuals with high deductible health plans for medical expenses. So. The individuals who have some are expected to have some medical um uh medical expenses that are not covered by insurance should aim to contribute to the maximum allowable amount each year so that you can take advantage of your tax benefits. Um, it actually have different uh has different tax advantages. So contributions are tax deductible and um Withdrawals for qualified metal expenses are tax-free. So the contribution limits for 2024, you can, and you can have that deducted from your paycheck, um, usually and normally the HR takes care of it. They ask you uh, from when uh, every year um, if you want to contribute and up to what limits. Uh, the maximum contribution for 2024 for self-only coverage is 4150 so that's that's how much is tax free from your income. So uh, and that's for the whole say year. Say that
0: amount to get is four thousand Uh self only coverage
1: is four thousand one hundred fifty. Okay. And then the family coverage is eight thousand three hundred dollars. Okay. And then those um with uh age age fifty five and older, they can make additional one thousand dollars as a cash up contribution. Great, great. So moving
0: on to uh the next question, what is the inflation reduction act and yes. how does it impact renewable renewable energy tax credit and what opportunities does it present for tax filers
1: yes so uh the this is actually um Re- Re- inflation reduction act it actually enhances the clean energy tax incentives and um we had that in place prior, but this one is actually a, just an extension, which is great. And then they actually offered more about bonuses for investing in uh, low-income and fossil fuel-dependent areas. So this act, like I said, modifies the um, the tax, the clean energy tax credit from uh, the prior years, and it provides a thirty percent credit for qualified projects and wind, Solar energy storage and prevailing um, wage standards and apprenticeship programs. Now, these um, the reason why it's important to, to talk about it is because everywhere now people are wanting to drive electric cars. Right. So th- this actually results in a tax credit. So, for example, if you ha- buy a used. Uh, Uh, EV or electric car for the first time, then you'll be eligible for a federal tax credit of up up to $4,000, and the list goes on. So it's important to let your tax preparer know if you are buying or if you have bought uh, an electric car, be it uh, used or uh, used.
0: Right, I know my sister just bought a Tesla in California, and apparently the tax preparer said they're they're getting a six thousand um, dollars tax rebate for
1: that. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that's great. Right. Yeah, right. So I got my I got mine two years ago, and they actually ran out, so I was unfortunate.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, that's that's not too good. Now, please explain <laughs> to our listeners what is capital gains tax, and could you explain how the associated tax rates? Or capital gains tax might affect our taxpayers?
1: Yes. Yeah. So, capital gains is a tax imposed on the profit you earned from a sale of an asset that has increased in value over time. And this could be anything from stocks, real estate, to even precious metals. And uh, the tax is not applied to the total sale, but rather on the capital gain. And that's the difference between the selling price and the original purchase price. So the reason why we don't pay on the sale amount is because when you, when you purchase the asset for the first time, you already paid tax on it with your income, the income that was taxed. Mm-hmm. So the capital gain, um, uh, make sure that you don't pay twice on, your, uh, mm-hmm. on, the, on, on that amount and um, when it comes to capital gains, the rates can vary based on how long you hold the asset before selling it. So there' is typically two categories: short term capital gains those are um assets you hold for a year or less, and long term capital gains for assets held for more than more than a year and uh for the tax year twenty twenty three because uh you're filing for twenty twenty three um um, the government usually has three long-term capital gains tax brackets. So 0%, 15%, and 20%. And that all depends, of course, um, on the capital gains amount. And that, again, I'd refer you, to the, the viewers, to go to the irs.gov for that, or to ask tax preparer for the complete uh, table for this. Uh, so for short-term capital gains that actually gets uh, netted out and, uh gets well both of them get get netted out, meaning if you have a loss and you have a a gain, then you net them out and then whatever it is, um, you pay tax on it. First but but there are some exceptions. Um some some gains and losses can't be netted out. But basically the for a short term uh capital gain it will be reported on the ordinary income tax rate of the tax filer.
0: Okay, great. So moving on with the infrastructure bill. What is it in uh, changing reporting requirements for crypto transactions starting in 2023? What do individuals need to be aware of when it comes to reporting their digital asset transactions to the IRS?
1: Yeah. So um, if you're doing business and pocketing more than 10000 in cash in, in one go, you got to report... It to the IRS and them within 15 days. So the um, uh, applicable seller needs to um, complete it on a. There's a form called Form 8300. You need to put your full name, tax ID, address, date of birth, occupation, and the whole you know the whole information, the whole shebang. And um, the definition of cash now includes uh, this digital assets, so cryptos and uh, uh, what I forgot NFTs, <laughs> yes, yes. So anything, it must be reported uh, within 15 days. Right. And um, if you're not too sure about it, um, if you're holding, cryptos um, in that amount, um, I'd, I'd recommend you to ask your trusted tax or financial advisor, just so you know that you're not, you're always in compliance when you, And something. Right. So, what are the
0: implications of the new reporting requirements for beneficial owners introduced by FinCEN, which is Financial Crimes Enforcement Network? And how might this impact transparency and compliance in financial transactions?
1: Yes. So, FinCEN, uh, that's a Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, that's a bureau working under the um, US Treasury or the IRS. So it's tasked with preventing and penalizing money laundering and related financial crimes. And FinCEN collaborates with law enforcement, uh, uh, regulators, and the uh, financial sector. So the key points. So FinCEN tracks suspicious activities and individuals, and um, they scrutinize uh, disclosures from financial institutions. So you know when you um, when you withdraw big amounts. Or when you deposit a big check, bank actually asks you for information, and I don't know if you've had that experience or viewers have that experience. But so now the the banks are um, the banks are mandated to to, to disclose that for, for something suspicious. Not really mandated, but they have to work closely with FinCEN regarding that for suspected money money laundering. And right. then it plays crucially in finding um of course money laundering like I said handling everything from uh electronic transactions to cash smuggling and uh that's very important so I'm um, uh, moving forward to
0: ten ninety nine because a lot of yes. us have um uh, you know employees or uh, contractors for our businesses what are the new rules about reporting 10, 1099 K forms and what changes um can be expected in terms of reporting.
1: Yes. You there? Okay. Sorry. Uh, oh, yes, I got it. Yeah. Sorry about that. Okay. So the reporting for 1099. Hold on one second. Okay. Give me one second.
0: So because I do have, a. Uh, in my business, I do have uh, a regular contract person who does the cleaning and the upkeep of the cabins. And I also have a yard guy. Now, I do prepare the... No, I ask my accountant to prepare the 1099 for them. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, yeah, the for, the Form 1099-K, and um, that one actually is a uh, for payment apps and online marketplaces uh, so you are required to send out your uh, 1099-K uh, form to say you're to receive over twenty thousand and have over two hundred transactions. So before um, this, this actually reports the it actually presents the evasion of a, a tax evasion actually for for tax filers for for people who earn. And not reporting it um, to IRS. So before you can uh, send out Zell, you can receive Zell, the- receive especially for those um, mom and pop stores or those that are uh, what we call um, the the truck, the food truck, uh, for example, food truck business owners, or even the house, uh, you know, the household. Uh, the, the people who earn money just right. from working from the house so, yeah. yeah so they usually receive payments via Zelle or other PayPal uh, or other oh, electronic, cash. Uh, methods, yeah, or even cash yeah but actually cash they can't really um, they can't really track that so this is mostly for the electronic or payment app the online market okay
0: alright
1: yes so now they have this in place that they're saying that if you have received over this much in uh, via PayPal, Zelle, whatever, those electronic apps, mm-hmm. then you must report it as um, either income or you just receive specific gifts. So basically, you have the report. And what it does is when you, and I don't know if uh, you have experienced sending out something uh, lately. If it's uh, especially PayPal, mm-hmm. it will ask you what it is. Yes, yeah. yes. R- yeah. yeah, even
0: with the other other things. But, yes, yeah, so that's good to know that we have to comply with that. Um, so uh, um, before I let you go, I would um, ask you to please let our listeners know where and how to contact you for more information, of course. Um, aside from, of course, we will always refer them to the IRS.gov, but if you want to give them your contact information, feel free to do so.
1: Of course, yes. So I can be reached at um Ellen, so E L L E N at contact uh, Ellen at framework dot com. I also have my own website, it's uh dot com, very easy. And I can be uh called or you can text call me three one zero eight hundred six nine nine seven. I'm actually based in California, but I'm actually uh I can uh help you with your text questions and uh, reporting and filing.
0: Great, great. So with that, I thank you so much for uh, spending time with us, and I will let you go, and we'll talk again soon.
1: Great. Thank you so much for having me, Jane.
0: You're welcome. Welcome back, mga kababayan. Ako po ay nagpapasalamat sa ating guest na si Ellen Rodriguez Swing for sharing her wealth of knowledge about this important topic. So kung meron po kayong mga tanong, please feel free to post it on Usapang Pinoy Facebook page and we can start a discussion there in a chat group or on the posts. Um, as soon as this is released, ilalagay po doon and you can um, certainly ask your questions. Ngayon po, I would like to share with you this inspiring quote from a Philippine president. And he said, My loyalty to my party ends where my loyalty to my country begins. And that is by Philippine President Manuel L. Quezon. Ngayon, iisa po ang ating Philippine proverb. Ang taong walang kibo nasa loob ang kulo. In English, a quiet person hides his anger. This proverb simply says that the calmer the person looks on the outside, the more capacity the person has for mischief. People who seem peaceful because they don't talk a lot, but they may be reserved because they don't know how to express themselves. And more often than not, it thi- it's these kinds of people whose emotions are raging inside. They're like a volcano that has remained dormant for a long time, only to erupt violently without warning. So... Diba, sabi nila, mag-ingat ka kay Dante, nasa lubang ang Be careful. He may seem calm, but he can be very violent. Yun lang po. Sana nagustuhan po ninyo ang ating kabanata ngayon. Salamat po sa patuloy ninyong pagtangkilik sa Usapang Pinoy. At sana po ay lagi kayong makibahagi sa ating usapan. Abangan po ang mga susunod na kabanata at special topics para sa si inyo. Please consider to be our Usapang Pinoy sponsor and visit our Facebook page at Usapang Pinoy podcast Maraming salamat po sa inyong pakikinig, mga kaibigan. Hanggang sa muli, paalam muna sa ngayon.